A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the air touchdown Jordan Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby Austin far side back to throw is Martinez now being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 15-10-5 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us tonight. Zach here, joined by Drake. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Oh, couldn't be better. How are you, buddy? I'm fabulous. I'm happy to be joined by you two gentlemen so we could solve some of the world's evils. Fitz, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing tonight? Not bad. Not bad. Just, uh, no, not nothing really exciting. Yesterday's game felt like it took, I don't know, 17 hours. Maybe I'm the only one, but, uh, other and it was a short game, but it just felt like it was forever. So maybe that's the offensive woes that we were saying. Uh, Maybe the death death by a thousand thousand cuts. Yep. Thank you. Oh, exactly. That's all I could think of when I was sitting there in the stadium too. Because Um, well, I mean, and real quick, when I say this, I don't mean anything negative about that the running back. Um, And what I can, and I keep wanting to call him Chris Brown. And I know there was a previous running back from um, Colorado that his name was Chris Brown. And I keep wanting to call the um, uh, Illinois running back Chris Brown for some fucking reason. And I cannot think of his name. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) That's why Brown Brown. Okay. So um, he's not extremely athletic he's not extremely explosive he's not extremely big he doesn't make extremely sharp cuts he doesn't do anything extremely well but he plays the position of running back really well if that makes sense so yeah, yeah i would i he, would say no he he has no plus or plus plus running back skills other than always being able to fall forward yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And and that's what he constantly does is turns those three-yard runs to six, eight, ten-yard runs. And and we've seen that almost every run, it seemed like, which, woof. I don't know what it was like on the screen for you guys, but in the stadium, just, it was just – it was rough. I was just going to tell you what it looked like. And, I mean, there was there was a, a little bit of explosiveness to it, and I'm going to get to that in a second. You also have to put into the fact that Nebraska has not been the best tackling team of late, eight, eight, nine years, right? But on camera, so when you're watching it on TV, his ability and patience to wait for the crease to open up was really, really good. And so that's what I think he does really well. 
is that he's patient and he's willing to take three yards or he's going to try to get 30 yards. It, it just kind of looked like the same run. Now, there was some times where he looked he looked pretty fast. I, I, I don't know. He just he kind of reminds me of a running back that just like you said, there's no there's no plus plus of anything well, but what he does, he does well. He's patient. He finds the right hole. And then he really only had to make one guy miss. And I think he's, it's, there's a deceptiveness to it, but I don't know. I, he looked, he looked better, but it was, it, it's, it's crazy. Cause it, it really looked kind of like the whole game um, just based on that is just slow motion everywhere. Well, um, you know what I would, I would say about Chase Brown too is he really reminds me of, and this is not a great comparison. I'm going to, I'm going to say that first, but it will, it will help kind of draw the connection to what Fitz is saying is he runs in football the way a guy like Larry Bird or Luka Doncic have to mix up speed because they're not overly explosive. So he will lull people to sleep and then go straight to top gear, even though top gear isn't elite, his ability to be slow and find the opening is elite. His ability to read a block is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the only plus plus I would give him is vision. It reminds me of Le'Veon Bell when he was, um, was it the Steelers? Yep. Where he would literally just pretty much always walk up to the line. Hand and on the wait. back of yep, and wait, and then once he sees that crease, hits it and goes. That's yeah, exactly no. what I was just going to say. That he would get up there and he was literally riding, to, but to touch whichever lineman, and if that lineman turned one way or the other in his hand, he just went. I mean, it was yeah, it was it was. It'd nice. be like if Helen Keller was a running back. That's what she would have to do. So let's 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 just get the jokes out of the way. He is a good running back. Our offensive line is Helen Keller because they couldn't see anything to block. Um, I just, but that's that's the difference, though, is that those guys were doing their assignments. I don't, I'm not watching Illinois' offensive line to, to well enough and, and close enough to see what if they're doing any, but they do enough. Let's just put it at that phase right here. They do it enough, and he got them the yards. Our offensive line. Definitely not doing enough. I, I, They've got the pole and their uh, pitching pole or pension poles down perfectly for Illinois. Yeah. They look r- really good. Yeah, you know, I was going to say in this, this is going to be a little pushback to to what you're saying, Fitz, about our offensive line. Prior to the Casey injury, which, by the way, I don't totally put that on the offensive line because they brought the house, and you see mm-hmm. other teams' quarterbacks get hurt on that play all the time. Um, you just do. That being said, I thought early on and even a couple times in the third quarter, the offensive line actually did some good things in terms of opening the holes. I mean, um, I don't like to to take shots at Anthony Grant, but I'm going to build my way into it afterwards. There's a couple of plays where, you know, he has a for sure first down and he's trying to turn it into a huge play, either cuts backwards to get to the outside, doesn't get the first down or on his fumble where he's fighting so hard to make extra plays. And to me, it has gotten to the point where Anthony Grant is trying to turn this into, and not to relate it back to basketball, but it's becoming hero ball for him where he feels like if they're going to have a shot, he has to do something amazing instead of just being good. And I think you're seeing that with other guys too. I, Honestly, I feel like you saw that with Chuba when he came in yesterday. I don't put all the fault, all the problems that we had with Chuba in the game on Chuba. I put a lot of it on Mark Whipple. And I would argue, I don't know that this is the case, but I would argue that yesterday you saw a little bit of some of those important skill positions losing faith in him. Are you in saying Whipple losing faith or... in Whipple? Yes, in Whipple. Specifically, Anthony Grant is the guy is the one that I really feel you see it in, but some of the receivers as well. Hmm. I guess I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the sidelines see if there was anything on the um, 
and I didn't players see it. Weren't. Okay, so I didn't know if there was anything you guys saw on the TV well, no. that I wasn't able to see from the stands or anything Whipple, like that. Whipple gets after Thompson probably two or three times a game, and they were showing one, and one of the announcers on TV questioned whether or not um, Thompson maybe audible into something that Whipple wasn't a fan of because he was he was in his face. But you just don't, you don't, and I know he's the quarterback's coach, offense coordinator, things like that, but you just don't see him getting in, um, getting into it with those other guys, um, not just quarterbacks, but other players on, on certain things. You know, and I know Joseph does that. But Joseph, you know, staying on topic here, Joseph did say something in his presser that uh, kind of stuck out to me. And after the, whether it was with reporters after the factor in his presser, but he mentioned um, that he wasn't quite sure which quarterback was going to go in. Um, and, you know, so when it was, when it was Smothers, right, let's go with Smothers. And then we came out and then we just thought we needed a little bit more of a vertical attack. We needed to threaten a little bit. So they, they went with Purdy. Um, I, I said it earlier. I don't, I just don't know how much, and this goes back to Drake's point. I don't know how much, faith or trust that Joseph has in Whipple right now. I don't know if they're on the same page. Um, now, a lot of these things can start to come out and you, you, the mind starts to wonder when, you know, you get uh, Trey Palmer for one catch for one yard in a game. Um, you know, you start to question, you start to look around, but I just don't know if, you know, coming in at the same time and they weren't they weren't brought in specifically to work together by any means, but I just don't know if that relationship, which I could start to see then, you know, that if if guys on the team are willing to follow Mickey and are willing to do this and that, but they they're seeing inconsistency in play calling or questioning different things, then you know, so are we are we just back to where we were, you know, seven, eight weeks ago where it's just not gonna work out and it's starting to show again on the field. I don't know. Well, physicality was brought up, and I believe Mickey Joseph was brought up um, physicality in Nebraska being to go back to being physical, and and that's how you're going to be a player is being a physical team. And, and I believe Mark Whipple said something to the effect of, well, I don't believe they can uh, measure physicality on a scoreboard. I think that was something in that area. Yeah, well, Illinois did. Illinois did yesterday to the tune of, I think, 29 points, I think it was, at the end of the game. I mean, they sure did. We watched 60 minutes of it. We're going to see the same thing against Minnesota. So, Well, we've seen it We've seen it before, though. I mean, think about yeah. Iowa the last few years. It's You can, you can yeah. see where physicality is. It, it goes directly on that scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Now, you can score by being vertical and and doing all these things just because you're a spread power run team doesn't mean you don't throw the ball down the field Uh, and i'm gonna use this as a very extreme example of it ohio state is a spread run team that's a power spread run team now they have the best athletes in the country and it's not even close what nebraska has on the roster and what ohio state has on the roster but what i'm saying is you can run that type of scheme because every college football program runs a form of the spread it just depends on what type of identity you want to have that's on your head coach we we, that was never established under frost it can't be established under joseph in in nine games doesn't happen sorry yeah no absolutely which is why joseph unfortunately he's not going to get a i don't uh, this isn't fair term but a fair swing at the head coaching job he's He's not going to have enough games, but he is still coaching for a spot on the next staff per se. I mean, he's going to be here regardless. No coach will get rid of him. Do you think with what Mickey is, I guess, let's say Mickey doesn't win another game, which is pretty, pretty, uh, it can happen. Do you think he's here next year or do you think he takes a spot somewhere else as a head coach? Think it, I think it's 100% dependent on who comes in. I think there are some people that he's willing to work for and work with. I don't know if, we, if we're able to land one of those guys. It's as simple as that. Um, and, 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 you know, 
as tough it is, as it is, I have long said, I just, I don't think Mickey's a legitimate candidate for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is experience. One is nobody really knows if he wants it, even though he is saying the right things. There's enough evidence out there that he doesn't want to be a head coach because he hasn't really climbed the ladder anywhere. He hasn't tried to climb to be an OC and move up that way. Now, if, if he wants it, I want him to have as fair a shot as anybody. I want him to be a legitimate candidate. I just don't know where his head is at in this. Um, and I said to, to Zach off air, if nothing else from yesterday, my frustrations with Whipple and his inability to get creative and adapt to the game and adapt to a new quarterback being in the game and trying to scheme things to help these players as opposed to going full nuclear like Scott Frost did and say, hey, it's going to be my way or no way at all, which is what we saw yesterday. It, a, I, I would have liked to see Mickey take the play sheet from him and, and t- maybe even take over who's in that quarterback. I, I think Smothers was our best option yesterday after Casey got hurt. I, I don't think it was even close as to who the best option was because, you know, to no fault of Chuba other than his interception, which is an unforgivable interception thrown across your body when you're in field goal range, like that, that's a mistake that, that he can't make, but the rest of it, a hundred percent on play calling. And I'll even throw that one into the play calling category. We didn't do anything to help him out. We didn't throw any quick slants. We didn't throw any screens to help him get into a rhythm. We just said, Hey, go do these five, seven, step drops and try and heave the ball downfield well at this point we've made it very very clear that we're not running the ball anymore so they're able to pin their ears back he has no time and he is trying to throw 30 and 40 yard bombs down the field off his back foot in a dead sprint rollout and that's not fair to him that's not fair to to chuba and expect him to be able to make plays and the reason i i didn't think he was the best option is because he, much like Casey, is not a guy that wants to tuck it and run. Let Logan do it. Lo- Logan came in for some important series last year on plays where Adrian Martinez went down. And I'm thinking very specifically Wisconsin and Michigan State. Logan Smothers completed a big third and like 12, throwing the ball into the wind. Logan, Logan has the ability to come in and make plays, and Logan, in my opinion, needs less time to get warm and get acclimated to the game than Chuba has. I, you know, you can take it back to Logan being a coach's kid, or just you know he's always ready. I don't know if Chuba is ready mentally when he gets put into these games because Casey's the guy. There's some guys that can prepare to be ready, and there's some guys who can't. I, I took some shots at Chubby yesterday on Twitter, and I'm here to apologize because it's not all on him. And my my point about saying Chubba's not ready, Chubba shouldn't be in there, has nothing to do with whether or not I think he's talented enough to play the position. I don't think he's what this team needs right now because of the faults that we have. And I, I have a huge problem with Whipple's game plan yesterday. I have a huge problem with his inability to adapt and get creative and throw quick slants and throw drags and digs and quick outs. Like Zach and I were talking about it off. Purdue's offensive line is not great. It's not, but they run the quick pass game so well, much like Georgia Southern that the defense can't get to them. And when you are effective at that, it allows you to be able to run the ball. If we're not going to show that we're never going to be able to run the ball with this poor offensive line. We're just not, unless you add the quarterback run game. We did run a good screen pass. They did run a good screen pass. Logan Smothers had a great run, too, on second down when he came in to end the half. I'm just really frustrated with our inability to get creative and scheme for what we have as opposed to scheme what we want to do. And those are two different conversations right now for for this staff. And I'm blaming it on Whipple. Well, we talked yesterday on the radio that the comments – were you know that Whipple needed to help with the scheme and Whipple was in those meetings with with the offensive line and the offensive you know the whole package right but mm-hmm. I just don't see if there's any cohesion between what the line is doing what the 
skill position players are, you know, just it, it's not all coming together. And it goes back to what you just said, Drake, is that the scheme and what he's calling, I don't think fits overall what, what we can do because let's, let's be, let's be honest. You mentioned it. What Palmer did against Purdue, that's because Purdue's secondary is, is what they are. And the moment that Illinois took it away, they had somebody playing back like they were receiving a punt on most mm-hmm. of the plays. Not until yeah, like Purdy, 25 yards deep. Yeah, not until Purdy came into that that change. And so you took that away. So can we not can we not think on our feet and and decide, okay, let's let's we gotta we gotta come to something else. So, you know, you're talking to your guys in the booth, hey, we're not gonna be able to get into it now. Let's see where this drive goes. Just we need to plan on the next drive. Here are the set of plays that we're going to be able to call from. Here's what we need to do. And the only example of it was, and Zach hit on it here, that screen pass. You know, we all we all laughed that it's probably the first successful screen pass in the last five years for Nebraska. But it worked because it slowed down Illinois' pass rush. Um, but we didn't do anything else either to take that away. Um, I don't remember a draw. I don't remember, you know, just little things that could have at least kept them thinking and kept them at bay because it wasn't the run game itself. No design sprint outs, nothing. Well, and that's where you, that's where you kind of think that with um, going to smothers that there were, they, they talked again after the game that they thought they could get some of the quarterback run. Um, and they know what that's what smothers they have those packages they have those plays ready to go for him we saw it a couple times he had an eight yard run Um, then he got then um, Grant was his his lead block and then um, I think the next play we had a positive run again off of it but then you know second half we don't see smothers again and that was that is Whipple's call Joseph flat out said that's that's Whipple's choice on who he puts in there Oh, this fucking team makes my head hurt. Just yeah, does. no, absolutely, it does. Um, um it, yeah. Yeah, I got a question. So, if Thompson is injured long term, which seems like a realistic possibility at this point, who do we think is the long term starter for the Murderers Row games that are coming up? Um, you think maybe Smothers with a week of flat out practice time? To me, you think Purdy gets it either way? I think you have to go dual quarterback, much like we did with both Taylor and Taylor Martinez and Tommy Armstrong went down. We would rotate two backup quarterbacks, one of them being Ron Kellogg, the third. You had one that was a little bit more athletic and could run. And you had your pocket passer. Um, I, you know, the old saying is if you if you play two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I tend to agree, but at least we'll have two different looks, and we'll be a little bit more dynamic if we go both ways. I I would love to see what Chubba Purdy can do as a starter. One hundred percent. I think you're going to get it the next game or two. But I do like. If we can't move the ball because he's not totally equipped to run this offense the way Whipple wants to, the most important thing for me is for this staff to adapt. And Mark Whipple seems really unwilling to do that. And I said in our group chat today with one of our listeners, shout out to Eric. I feel like I'm watching Scott Frost's coach teams, which again, this is, this is still a Scott Frost team. But I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, I'm watching a different form of Scott Frost refusing to adapt to what we have. And things that we have shown to be able to be successful this year, we're going away from. Um, As opposed to in the past, we've said, hey, this guy had a great game. Next three games is on a milk carton. Now we're seeing it with play play calling decisions. And it's getting unbearable to to watch like the rear mayor johnson screen two weeks ago that that play worked now you can't run that 12 times a game 
but you could sprinkle it in once or twice a game, right? The Logan Smothers sprint out. Well, I think anything. What, as I said, I think what you're seeing is when Scott was here, he was an excellent play schemer where he could scheme a play up. He can get a guy open in theory. On paper, it's just going to get a guy open. In execution, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy could scheme shit up. The, his run game was fabulous when he was here. He was able yeah. to scheme scheme things to get guys open. The, I think the mesh between Mark Whipple and Scott Frost was Frost is going to handle the run game. Whipple handles the passing game to essentially be able to open it up downfield. Now, without that run game um, creativity or, or, or those schematics, we're seeing that run game completely shut down. Okay, remember when uh, this would have been over the summer and everybody was kind of nailing Pat Narduzzi to the wall about his comments and going back to a game that they won, but it was really kind of going towards his stubbornness to do something that would have probably paid off. Now, we went back, we we broke it down, and, and they ended up still running more than they passed. But I think the the sentiment now, when you look back on it, is Narduzzi was probably probably right, right? He knows him better, and it's kind of a very very much similar to – You would say Pat Narduzzi's right, you asshole. A couple. But think about it, though. I, I mean, I, I'm on Pat Narduzzi's I mean, side right now. I am. That's what I'm saying. It's And, and, you, and Zach, you just brought it up with, with Frost and, and Whipple. There was some – there was some, uh, you know, they weren't in agreement a lot of times. And we understand what kind of was supposedly going on. Um, and took it over and stuff like that, but you start to see that. And the, I, I'm taking a one one comment right that that got some traction. But when you look at it in context of what we're talking about here, it really does come back to a stubbornness and unwillingness. I don't know if it's inability to to mix and match and to to go into a, an area that maybe he's not um, as comfortable doing. But you've I don't know. I just well, we can't say there was a good mesh when weeks one, two, or three either. So, yeah, with it, when when they worked together, it wasn't great. Um, really, the Purdue game was the only game you could say that it was a a stellar offensive performance. But you you put your defense out there for a hundred snaps, so there yeah. there's got to be some sort of balance where it's how can we get them out there for eighty snaps, not a hundred snaps, or or you know how can we essentially not run them into the dirt. Um, that's what I'm concerned about the next few weeks is that defense just being ran to the dirt by teams that want to run the ball. Um, if Minnesota has I, Tanner Morgan doesn't concern me, whether he's healthy or not healthy or whether he plays or not, that's the least concerning player on their team to me. Um, but Ibrahim is, is absolutely terrifying. I know he was injured, um, but I believe he's back healthy again. That's a scary game. So the here's the here's what's going to happen. We've 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 watched this game before. Ibrahim's going to be okay. He'll you know he'll get a little bit, but all of a sudden, some freshman running back that Minnesota has said has potential is going to put like 150 up on us. That's what happens. It's like it's like Tommy DeVito yesterday at one point in time was like 11 of 11 or 12, 13 of 13, whatever it was. 16 of 16. At okay. One so just again, put that knife in a little bit deeper. It's just 16 of 16. We make these guys that are, and it's not that they're bad, but they're just not, they're not world beaters. They're not lighting teams up week after week. And yet we, here we are something that the, the Huskers do. They let a guy like that just destroy them. And you're already worried about, which is probably now that I'm saying it out loud, a, a new legitimate reason because they were trying to s- stuff the run as much as they could. And you're going to a lot of man coverage out there. So, but again, it's very similar to um, Purdue, a little bit of accuracy, a little bit of timing, nothing extraordinary on the routes. And you're going to make those completions. And what happens that ball keeps moving down the field. That's, that's matriculating the ball down the field. Uh, that's a fun way to, to, to say that. Well, Illinois did a great job, and what they do a great job of, besides running the ball, is building their passing game off their run game, where you've seen it 
two or three times really i i know twice early um a little boot off to the be toward the short side of the field tight end comes over top of the linebacker defensive end that's coming after the quarterback it's a 20 yard completion easily down the sideline they did that they used nebraska's um they used nebraska's eyes against them and they did a great job with it they used nebraska's um lack of a uh, experience and they used it against them uh Bielema did a great job yesterday coaching that team up and and they took it to him and they could have taken it to that team a lot harder if they wanted to oh absolutely um Bielema, let's be honest took took mercy on, on them yesterday well i i tweeted out yesterday somebody brought it up because he didn't go for it on on like fourth and two when they'd been just ramming it down our throats and they settled for a field goal he doesn't hate mickey joseph or anybody on the staff like he used to hate bo Rest assured, if Bo was still that coach yesterday, <laughs> he would have been trying to put up 70. Oh, yeah, and he would have succeeded. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I, th- I thought against all odds and a lot of the positions that they were put into, our defense did – our defense played well enough for us to be in that game. Um, you know, they held them to field goals on, on short turnarounds after getting a stop. Um, I thought, you know – Made plays thought, behind the line. Made plays behind the line. Quentin Newsom was a dog yesterday. Quentin Newsom had a, had a had a good game. Yeah, um, Buford had a good game. Gifford, Gifford, Rymers yeah. until his dumbass penalty. That um, was one of the worst penalties I've seen in a while. Just because you could tell it's it's a pure frustration penalty, and it was fucking stupid. The quarterback baited him into it though. He looked back and he got to the white, and he almost came to a complete stop. Mm-hmm. And Reimers had I'm not I'm not excusing it, but I, I I said that out loud right away. It's like he that quarterback earned that because he started slowing down, you know. But it's just one. Are of those you victim things. shaming right now? But <laughs> there was, but there were. A, it's the same thing though. You get that, but there was one before that they could have called, you know, a late hit. But the Huskers don't get it. It's just you know that's how the game goes. You create your opportunities. You create your the penalties sometimes it's just, I don't know. It's just, but you also have DeVito's 24 years old. He's been playing football a long time. Um, Played at uh, Syracuse under Babers actually. Yeah. He's just Um, consistent. I mean, he's one thing I want to say about that too, guys. Rymers isn't in that position. If we don't accept the holding penalty, if we don't accept that holding penalty, it's third and 11 and they're trying to convert the first down instead it's second and 20. And they run a quarterback draw that we've never been able to stop. I'm not. I'm not using that against Mickey, but that that should be a learning. Just like, why give them an extra play to go pick up yardage instead of hey, it's third and eleven. Let's get a stop and get the ball back. Can I say something? I'd like to. I was just say, can I say something? I'd like to see everyone stop doing doing the um, the stock up and down of Mickey every single week oh absolutely that's absolutely can, can we stop like it's it, if he won every game all year doesn't guarantee him the job if he lost every game the rest of the year doesn't guarantee him the job how he runs this program day to day is his resume mm-hmm. because oh, he can't get the games to be to have a resume at this point how he can no. this program is his resume they're not his players. We can say that, but I mean, some are, some are. You get what I mean there. It's not his coaching staff. We we talked about that before. With I don't believe it. He's he built nothing. Confidence in in Whipple. We are we are dumb as a fan base if we firmly believe that it's going to come down to Trev making a decision based on the last result of the last game of the season against Iowa. Were There's you no sitting way. with me yesterday at the game? because you you'd be amazed at what some people think that's that's my point though it's like we just have to that there are there are conversations going on behind the scenes he's talking to coaches we know this for a fact he said it and urban's one of them he's talking to coaches that he's not even in consideration for hiring or wanting to hire whatever it is just to get information and i bet you that some of those questions are what you just talked about zach Coach A, you watch 
from week four, by week before Oklahoma, where we are here. What are you seeing that shows growth as a coach from Joseph? What are you seeing that shows growth in the team? I want to ask you guys, do you guys think that those kids, the team played hard from, from gun to whistle yesterday? Mm, that's, that's a I think one question. side of the ball did. I think one side of the ball did. I feel like but, one side of the ball had the wind taken out of them, and I think the other two sides of the ball showed up. But it's not like we've seen before, though. Like, it's not, it's not obvious. There have been moments over the last yeah. five years that it's been obvious where it looks like somebody quit. It looks like somebody gave up. It looks like some, a lot of woe is me. But well, I guess my point is those are the things that we're just – we're stupid if we think that Trev's seriously basing it on game on record alone. Come on now. Yeah. That's no, my – my... Well, A, it's not fair to Mickey. Sorry. No. It's not fair to Mickey. Right. But it's not fair to any, anyone. Because my whole, sorry, my, my no. whole opinion on, on Mickey getting the job, not getting the job and how we evaluate him are, are purely based off of in-game head coach coaching decisions that he has to make. Like if he, if he's put in another position this week against Minnesota, where he gets to choose between a third and 11 or a second and 20, that decision is something that I use to grade and it's all individual head coaching decisions. It's not the outcome of the game. It's not the outcome of a specific play. It's timeout management. It's things like that. Are the kids still playing hard? Like Fitz is bringing up. That's what I'm paying attention to here because again, he can't go in and rebuild this team during a bye week or over nine games after he takes over. So I want to see his growth in these tough decisions that you have to make split to second split second decisions on. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, it does. Um, I, I guess a good way I've been able to like in my head, describe what Mickey Joseph's situation is, is imagine you're a, a brand new guy on like a movie set mm-hmm. and you're walking in and you're, been there, you're, done a, that. you're a costume director or something like that, where you're, you're a part of it. But mm-hmm. you're you're like kind of a, a more niche part where you're specialized wide receiver coach. And so you walk on and then set you get moved and up to producer. No, yeah, as I said, you get moved all the way up to director mm-hmm. because the director did something. And but you've got to still film the movie. You've, you've got, got all everything's all set up. You, you everything we already paid for it. You gotta figure this out. Mm-hmm. That's literally what Mickey Joseph has been put in charge of right now. Yes. No, I totally agree. And and that's why like I've, I'm making notes every game where there's a decision that Mickey has to make about the game, right? And I'm I've been I have a I have a notebook that I've like and this third and twenty it's a diary this third and eleven second twenty that is circled there moving forward, right? And there are other times this year where he's made the wrong call early on in a game, and then the next game he's put in that same position. And it has adjusted. And obviously there's like on this second and 23rd and 11, depending on the game, he made the right decision yesterday. Yesterday it was the wrong decision because they are not good at getting those explosive plays on third and 11 because they're not built that way. So, and, and again, he's brand new to it. He's learning it. He's never, he hasn't been a head coach since he was an NAI head coach. I'm not using this one decision as saying nope Mickey absolutely can't have the job that that's not what it is but just like we we want to see players get better throughout the season make better decisions throughout the season I also want to see that from our coach and part of his problem too is he's also learning the entire team because he had only been with the receivers during the offseason for the most part if you want to give me arguments on why Mickey Joseph can't be a head coach you could say a couple ones. He's never been a head coach anywhere outside of one year at yep. a NAI school. He's never been a coordinator at any level. Okay, well, that's, I mean, he's at his own room, yes. Wide mm-hmm. receiver room. He's done that at a few places now. Those, the first two points are, are good arguments on why he should not be the head coach. One thing you can say, though, is he has the respect of every player on that team, whether he's interacted with them or not his ability to step up and in the middle of a dumpster fire situation 
and and do what he can to rescue a team and and his university um when they needed that guy most i mean that alone to me says we're we deserve to give you a shot this year mm-hmm. this this is your shot and 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 i think he knew that going in Absolutely. what's he supposed to say no i don't want this head coaching job i'm just taking it because they need me to no, it, it, you're not ever going to hear Mickey Joseph say that because he's here for the kids. He's said that many a time. He's not here for himself. I mean, yes, he's getting a paycheck, obviously. He is doing a job, but he's here for those players. He's here for those kids to make sure they succeed and aren't successful. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he been might... very upfront and honest about that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pluses for Mickey being a head coach here, right? There's a ton of them. Of course, but then there's a lot of there's there's a lot on both sides. Yeah, no matter what happens, you're going to have people angry. You're going to have people happy. Like, if he gets it, he's going to have detractors, and they're going to be pissed. If he doesn't get it, we're going to be like, there's going to be people that are pissed that he didn't get it. I'm really – I want to know whether it's Joseph, whether it's Lane Kiffin, Aranda, Kleiman, Tom Herman, whomever, right? I want to know, and I brought this up yesterday, who those – coordinators are going to be who are they going to bring in with them that's where i want to cut and i was going to we'll just you know we'll air I got two hires more important out in, than, out than, than coordinators okay well hang on though i know where you're going to go with this but my my whole thing is this is where i think we can maybe pivot a little bit uh on the uh on the radio show is you know we've now can we start talking about other coaches right like defense coordinator offense coordinator d-line o-line stuff like that i'm wondering if we if we could start to pick like who would we want to come here that we believe could help that because i think if joseph comes back and says you know what trev i i think we can do this and i'm ready to just to to run it back with the same guys we have here that, that doesn't work for me but if a guy like aranda can come in and he can tell trev hey these are the guys that i have right here's here's who i can get and would like to get as my offense coordinator Here's my defense coordinator. If it's Lane Kiffin, like who's he going to get? I think that's as much, if not more important right now, because other than Joseph, who hasn't, doesn't have the time and experience right now, but everyone else has, has done this and it's less, again, it's less record. It's less all these other things, but I, I really believe it's who are you going to have on that staff that is going to get the right kids that are going to fit Nebraska big 10. Who are the, who are the coaches that are get them going to get them to play the way that they have to play and on and on and on. So Zach, let me tee this up for you. Who are, what are the two biggest position coaches that we need to, I say, we, the next head coach needs to nail if nothing else. And it's pretty much to me, one, a one B it's not a coordinator. I, I I don't want to say it's not a position group, a position coach. I technically think it is. It's it. The first one is your strength and conditioning coach. Um, and your offensive line coach. Now, here's what I'll here's what I'll say about Raiola. I am all for keeping him on staff in some semblance, whether it be an analyst role, whether it be something. I'm good with keeping him on staff because it still keeps that Raiola pipeline open. Um, I, I'm good with that. Just he he was inexperienced walking into the role. We can, we all knew that. We're hoping to. Take chicken salad or chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad. It just didn't happen. We knew that with with this experiment. Um, I'm good with keeping him on staff, but I want an experienced offensive line coach with a proven track record of results. Notre Dame's offensive line coach, when when that split happened last year, was available at the same time. He went somewhere else. He had 20 plus years of experience. Just saying, but you, you got to get. He was a uh, mentor to. He was a mentor to Rayo, Rayola. <laughs> well, exactly, and, and what what you got to do is you have to have your head coach, your um, offensive line coach, and your strength and conditioning coach. You have to have those three all lockstep with what what this program is going to look like. Um, because outside of in the off season, who are they around? They're they are around that strength and conditioning coach all the time. That's their head coach in the off season. Those three, if they're in lockstep, you're good. That 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 program would develop just fine. So those are those are my two must haves, must hires, or you know must you, the, the the A plus you, can't you have miss, to have. You can't miss. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Drake? Um, I mean, I, I guess go from the big big point too. Are you 
Do you think it's important that that coach has an idea on who they would bring in on what this entire staff would look like? So I'm going to back up a little bit. I I think the majority of of the legitimate candidates has a list of guys that, you know, if they're in talks with Nebraska, they've already put out feelers to their potential candidates for XYZ position or spot on the staff. I'm, I'm going to get that out of the way. That being said, one thing, I don't think Mickey has the Rolodex of coaches to be like, Hey, I can go get this guy, that guy, you know, cause he's, he hasn't led a group of coaches. Um, he's been at a lot of places, but he hasn't been, I don't know that he's been at a lot of places that you can just load up your staff with guys that he's coached with, um, or that he has a good enough relationship with. No, uh, one thing I would say is maybe you could use some of those 2019 LSU connections. I mean, there's a couple right. of guys from that staff where you'd be like, okay, hey, if you're bringing up Ed Ogeron as an, a D-line coach. Right. No, absolutely okay. I, I, just, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get 100%. But on the flip side, the way that Mickey has handled this situation since stepping in, um, th- this okay, I'm, I'm with you, Zach. I really want proven coaches both in strength and conditioning and on both parts of the line. Like I want guys that, ha- that have a track record of, hey, I developed um, Aaron Donald or – I just got, yeah, you, I just got, right. Just say you've done it. That's what, that's what I want. Right. But on the flip side, I don't know that there's a guy better than Mickey to be able to go interview some of those lesser known commodities in those positions and find the guy that is perfect for this job. I, I feel like Mickey can read people better than most. He can connect with people better than most. He knows who's full of shit and who isn't. And I also think when Mickey, like, I'm going to, I'm going to draw a, not necessarily a parallel, but I'm, I'm, cause I've been shitting on Whipple all night. I might as well continue. <laughs> I think it's really hard for Mickey to come, come in and put his foot, foot down on a guy like Mark Whipple's neck because of Whipple's experience. I thought you were going to say, cause there's a Turkey gobbler there. <laughs> No, because of Whipple's experience and track record of at least moderate success, right? Even though what Whipple wants to do and has been doing clearly isn't working and might not ever be really be built for the Big Ten period. It's really hard for, for Mickey to come in and take over because of some of those some of those issues. Like when I w- when I became a manager uh, for, at my first corporate position, Glory it was home. No, it was really hard for me to walk in and kind of lay down the law to people that have a worked there longer than me, but they never took a management position because they, they didn't want it. I should have never taken it, but that's a totally different conversation, but it was really hard for me to come in and kind of lay down the law with those people that have 10 to 20 plus years, more experience in that, in that industry than I did. I'm really glad you brought that up, Drake. I are you I, I just want to say because not everybody wants to be the manager. Not everybody wants right. to be the CEO of a firm, regardless mm-hmm. of how well it might fit you. Some people don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I think and, that's where Mickey is. But let's let's say Mickey does want it, right? And let's say Mickey gets it. I don't know that he's gonna be able to go get a guy that has ran a top 10 defense, like our guy at Iowa for. 20 plus years i don't know if you can go get him because it's really hard for him to boss that guy around all the time but you know who can go get him trev because he's got the checkbook right illinois illinois offensive line coach is the 25th highest paid offensive line coach in 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 college football right now four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. they're obviously putting a premium on that and there's a value if if mickey goes into trev's office and says all right i want this guy well it's going to take take a lot you know we gotta he's gotta be willing to come here we gotta be willing to give the money why not try right those are i'm just saying i understand what, exactly what you're saying but the almighty dollar i think in this instance and it's almost it's these might be the biggest recruits if mickey gets it these mm-hmm. are going to be the biggest recruits that he will ever get on campus more than any player staff. yes more yes. than any player yes and so but- he's got to he's got to sell it and 
And a little bit like NIL, let's just go back to the, you know, having a bag man, like coach, open that briefcase. Yeah. That's half, but, that's half of what you're getting on signing. We'll give you the other half, mm-hmm. you know, but to the, to the Mickey Whipple paradox that we're dealing with here, I can see why it's hard for Mickey to come in and take the play calling sheet from him or tell him to change things. Because even though Mickey was associate head coach prior to interim head coach, Whipple was kind of still in charge of the offense and Mickey was coaching his guys to fit inside of Whipple's offense, no matter how much he disagreed with it. And now all of a sudden he leaps frog leapfrogs him. Whipple has way more experience. And so I can understand why, why there might be, a little bit of a problem with Mickey doing that. I think it's totally Mickey could go hire somebody with 40 years of experience in football next season for our offensive coordinator. And it'll be easier for him to be that guy's boss than it is Whipple today. Yeah. Um, based on what you said, I agree a hundred percent. I, I do think that it, going to what Fitz said about Illinois uh, offensive line coach being the, where he's at in the pay scale you know, you can get a guy for a million dollars and it could still look like shit two years down the road because mm-hmm. if the scheme and what he's coaching doesn't mesh up, we'll see what we've seen the last few years at Nebraska. That's been the problem is the scheme has never matched up with what we're co- well, what we're teaching. Why? How can that be, though? How can that be? And that goes that solely goes back to the head coach. It, it right? does 100 percent. You, you but, have to the technique, whether and, and I'm going to go back to what you talked about before. Whatever they whatever they have to do to run the plays the, to the best of their ability, starting at the offensive line, starting at the blocking schemes, all that stuff, it goes to your strength and conditioning coach. How are they training and how are they getting stronger? What is that strength supposed to be for? The pipe, you know, we've got bodybuilders everywhere, well, but we don't yeah, have guys that can bend. That's my yeah. You're right on with that. And then how, you're telling me that if well the technique. And they had to redo a lot of, sounded like they were redoing a lot of that with Rayola, that it was just like, I, I just don't know how it gets to that point. It well, gets to that point. And- it, it's like, it's like cut it all down, start it over. Like number one block. What is, what does it mean to block? Here's what you have to do. Now we're going to get into, but. Fitz, I would like to start with slowing somebody down, let yeah. alone blocking them. Well, we also were coaching in the moment. We were coaching. We were letting the mistakes keep happening, letting that muscle memory happen on the mm-hmm. field, and then we corrected in the film room. Well, I'm I go back. Offense, I, but you correct me in the film room. It doesn't fucking make a difference because I'm I, not going to remember it. So I go back to what character. I got to say this real quick. So no, I go no, back you're to good, what character said, and I know I've said this before. Don't give me the four or five star kid. Well, four stars for Nebraska. You know, what we're seeing right now at some of these positions on the line, don't give me the, that guy that dominated in high school because there wasn't anybody his size. Did he ever push around a kid that matched up? Like, give me that two to three star kid that you know is just going to come in and work and probably has the potential to do this and get better versus plateau, which is kind of where we are because it's like, oh, yeah, they were really good. And now, but, and again, we're still questioning the, the type of coaching. We're still questioning the technique, the strength. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. But, but here we are again, trying to set this, trying to right this wrong and fix it at Nebraska for the, what? The third time in nine, eight years? It's, it's. So, Okay kind of building off of what what you guys are both talking about there's there's two things i want to go back to one is my experience as a coach one is game number no okay game number two for scott frost right i have long believed since i got into the world of coaching that the difference between a good coach and a bad coach overall in terms of what the product that you put on the on the surface is coaching to what you have, right? Scott Frost, game two against Troy, said we probably could have won, but getting our scheme in place was most important. We could have won this easily with a different game plan. That, to me, was one of the biggest red flags of the entire tenure of his, of his time in leadership. Mark Whipple appears to be doing the same thing today. Now, 
the one of the best teams I ever coached in basketball. We had guys with a very wide variety of skill set. And basketball, you have 10 guys, you don't have 85 plus, right? But I had 10 guys and I had a group of guys that were very athletic, very fast, and they they fit a scheme kind of like what Fred Hoiberg tries to run in Nebraska. Run, gun, all that shit. And we we pressed with that group. I I basically did line changes. And you see this a little bit in football on the offensive side of the ball with big running backs, small running backs, change of pace backs. But I had a thunder and lightning group. I had a group that I would start the game with and we would press the shit out of everybody. Uh, We would give up some layups because we were so aggressive. But that's because that's how that group could play and be effective. And then I had another group that had two monsters that were like 6'6 to 6'10 and 240 pounds and could bully anybody on the court at any time. And that was our thunder group. We would move it slow. We would pound it inside and get layups, some kickout threes. I separated those two groups because not every player meshed well with every player. And we ran different schemes for those two different groups. And we were very effective. And we beat some teams that had far more individual talent than we did. We won a couple of championships. We beat a team that was ranked in the top 25 across the country. And these guys didn't even make the top teams in Nebraska in their summer circuit. I'm not saying it's because I'm a great coach. I'm saying it's because I did the things that made that put this team in the best position to win. I put them in the best position to be successful. Whipple needs to do that on offense, and he's being a stubborn jackass. We can help the offensive line. Quick you ever slant, talked to an old draw. white guy before? They're yeah. pretty dead set in their ways. No, I know, but this is my – and Scott did the same Thank thing. Thank you for not mentioning but, me right here, you son of a bitch. Bo did the same thing. Bo Bo did a lot of the same stuff too. Like this has been the biggest problem with Nebraska. It hasn't been talent on the field. It's our inability to adapt to what's on the roster at any given moment. And there are times when you're recruiting that you see a guy excel in your, in your style at the high school level. But when it gets to college, he might not excel in that scheme for whatever reason, but you can find a way to get, Ramir Johnson is a perfect example of somebody that we have to find a way to get on the field and get him the ball. Yeah, uh, that that's a puzzling one. Now I I get the drop, but uh, it's still it wasn't puzzling. wasn't the best ball either. No, it wasn't. I mean, and, and, uh, and how can you just expect him to come into the game cold and come up with a huge play when he's never in the game and he doesn't get any reps? That was going to be my point: is you can't put a guy in there that's hasn't seen the ball in two or three games and Alante Brown. I yeah, mean, it's same thing. Like out, out of nowhere, I'm like, who's number four literally had to do a kind of quick check. I'm like, wait a minute. That's Alante Brown. Haven't seen him for seems like a few weeks. Yeah. yeah I just, it's, it's something to watch. By the way, what's the point of moving Tommy Hill to offense? If he's not ever on the field on offense either. I did see him on the field in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Or third quarter, something. It was, it was in the second half. I know that, but like, I only see as a wide receiver. As a wide receiver, yeah, it was down okay. on the uh, end zone near section nineteen. Is where it's where my seats are, and that's where I seen him. I mean, he, here's a guy we all love. Is there a spot in this offense for a guy like Chancellor Brewington to make plays other than lighting people up blocking? I'm gonna. I I'd like to see him in a screen game. Oh wait, we did. <laughs> I mean, in it. He was, he was seeking out guys to run over, which is, you know, per his style. I'd like to put him at gunner. The the best part Can about we put that him is... as a lead blocker too uh, in in the eye. Let him go in between a tackle and a guard. He doesn't kill to man. Yeah. Like the offensive line guys that got just... out there didn't even touch anyone. Did right. go back and watch that play. They did not touch anyone. Brewington cut back and got past them with speed. But it's like, I mean, the idea, yeah. the the idea was there one time though, one time. My my entire point of all of this is there's just there seems to be an unwillingness to for us to adapt our game plan. And I I know I'm the guy that's always said I don't give a shit what the other team does. We're gonna do what we do well, but we're not doing what we want to do well. So let's adapt there. What, what do, do we, we want do to well? do well? That's the question. Ask. Tell me what we do well, and then we can decide how we're gonna do that. But or when we're gonna do it. Yeah, I don't um, know if we've got enough time to discuss that one. No, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> that's a summer. That's a summer series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be able to break down the new head coach. Um, so, 
so, eleven point dog. Can I? I was going to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. was going to say eleven point dog at home to Minnesota. No, first question: Does Casey Thompson play? No, I don't okay. think so. Unfortunately, so, honestly, I thought to... I thought his arm was broken. I'm glad it's. It sounds like it's only a singer, but I thought his arm was broken the way he was holding it. I thought yeah. he broke his thumb because I thought his hand hit the top of a helmet when it came through, or when the guy came through. Helmet got his on, elbow on the release. Okay, on the radio, I thought it was, thought yeah. it was hand the way it looked. So, Benning thought it was a bicep type of thing because Oof. of the way the same type, you know. Just on on look right there, he was mm-hmm. just talking about it, um, you know. So okay, so we're all in agreement. We don't think Casey Thompson's going to start. Who should the starter be? Ernie Smothers or Harburg? If Harburg or touches Matt that field, I will lose my Masker. fucking mind. How about that? Same thing with Masker. Really hard. Sure, he can. I on I'm I'm a little bit different than Zach here. Give I me would, Smothers. I I'm smothered short different or I no no I'm I'm smothered purdy I I I'm totally I think it's got to be dual system smothers purdy I I think you got to show a couple of different looks here but I'm not opposed to seeing Harburg out there um one one I think one of the problems and I've covered this a little bit one of the problems for Casey in terms of the pressure he was getting he's a little bit of a smaller guy and he has to drop really far back to see over these he's giant, very tight he, he has to drop pretty far back to see over our lineman that is full of six eight guys for no fucking reason um harburg's like six six or close to it um, he's a midget maybe maybe harburg just be, getting a better field of view without having to go so far back helps a little bit with the pass rush he reminds me of Scott Frost playing quarterback, and it makes me uncomfortable. They're not even built the same. Yeah, they kind of are. They're white guys that can run and throw it hard. It's I think comparison. I don't care. You don't have to like it. I'm gonna fuck <laughs> if anyone likes that. No, no, that I I see where you're going with it, and when when you stretch it out like that, yes. Yeah, all I, white I, people look alike. I get it. Yes. You white, you Ben Affleck. No, I think I think Harburg throws a really good ball. Um, but maybe part of the reason we can't run this quick pass game is because our quarterbacks can't see over our linemen. And so we can't run those three yard slants. Maybe well, Harburg yeah, opens that up a little it. bit. <laughs> yeah. You nail your lineman in the back of the head. Right. But maybe a guy like Harburg who's standing up as tall as the line can f- fit it through there, is my is my point. If Harburg is a better option for us to run the quick pass game, the slant, the dig, the the drags. Give him a shot, man. We haven't Honestly, even at seen this him. Point, it is what it is. This yeah. season is what it is. Just, just it's a lot of season, but let's get this guy some film so he can go play somewhere and be good. I was say, let's see what we got on the uh, roster. I mean, honestly, you are going to see a exodus of players after the season. It just is what it is. Don't panic, mm-hmm. anybody. That's you're going to get some. You're going to get attrition. Here's like, my point. Based, based, based on who we, the coach is, I mean, it's we all we be have honest. four games left. We have four games left. Guys that are gonna that are committed to staying around that haven't played, let's get them their four games. So I'm the saying, season's get, over. Get, get the people in. Get the get the players in there. You, numbers wise, you can still make a bowl, but it is what it is. I I, I want to see the players going forward that that we've been hearing about let's see them on the field let's see what they can do with the game time or you know actual un- underneath the lights mm-hmm. at this point what do you got to lose and i hate saying that because yes you have a game to lose but you're in a situation where you're not supposed to win the rest of the year yeah all right maybe and you so, upset somebody i'm glad you brought that up uh we can we can end on this but we had a question from a follower in the group chat eric shout out to eric is it possible for nebraska to win another game and he he said with this offensive line, you guys know what my response was. Yes. Uh, but no, but nobody else answered. Yes, it is possible to win another game. You still have Wisconsin on schedule. You still have Minnesota on schedule. You still have Iowa on schedule. Um, all teams that are great one week and terrible the next week. You have absolutely no idea what you're getting with any of the teams. Um, Two of those games are at home. Yep, I was going to say, you get two at home. Uh, Iowa is in Kinnick, which is going to be a very tough game. But 
with their inability to do anything on offense, you never know. Um, yes, it, it it's possible, and I do think they'll win another game. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough season, but I, I think they're gonna pull one, maybe two more out. So that's what I got. Fitzy, I say one, I say one for sure. One for sure. I I think we steal one. Um, yeah. I th- I'd love I think, it. To, I'd love it to be Iowa at this point. I mean, just... I, I I think we get two more wins. I think one of them's Iowa. I think the other one's Minnesota this week. I was thinking either Minnesota or Wisconsin, and it's it's an. I I just you have no absolutely no idea what any of these teams are going to be the rest of the year outside no. of Michigan, which that gives me Nebraska, Michigan, twenty eighteen vibes. So stay out of the just stay out of the tunnel. Oh, shoot, I'll, uh, Ann Arbor. I won't be, I won't be tweeting during that game. You guys know I'll be there. Say a prayer for me. Drink some beer for me. Yeah. Don't get beat up. Uh, I, oof, I can't promise that. I just mean, don't go into the tunnel. Fitz actually had some sound advice for you there. I, I can't promise that. I won't. I will also don't touch Mel Tucker's head. Well, can't do Mel, that. I Mel know Tucker he's at Michigan State, but <laughs> but you just also can't do that. You can't touch someone's yeah. bald head. So, well, boys, we got anything else for the night? No, man. Cool. Well, I think it was a good show. Thanks for joining me tonight, boys. It was uh, therapeutic. It was therapeutic. I think we really kind of got some stuff off our chest. Which is oh, you know healthy. what? I'm I'm gonna say one more thing. I'm sorry. I know I said I had nothing left. Except for Harambe. Yeah, dicks out for Arambe. That's not what I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, Fitz, you're right. This was you therapeutic. Just did. Uh, yeah, I did. I know you said this is therapeutic. Uh, I'm making a vow to no longer on on Saturdays for pregame. I'm not going to be the Kool-Aid guy. I'm no longer going to try to, you know, shield what this really is. It's no longer to to create a rainbow out of this. It, it's time to be brutally honest about what, what I'm seeing on the field. I thought you weren't going to shotgun beers with the Amazon guy anymore. I haven't done that since week one. Okay, well. Only because the Amazon guy has not returned. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten a package in a while either. <laughs> I wonder what you're, you're, you're <laughs> no, I blacklisted. Doubt I doubt that, Drink. I doubt you haven't gotten a package in a while. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoa. Shoot, I've shoot, delivered shoot. mine to you. Hilarious. Fitz. Whoa. Okay, on that note, <laughs> anything else now, boys? Nah, you guys have a great week. We'll talk soon. All righty, boys. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. Have a good one. We'll talk to everybody later. Bye. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.